If I had been a braver woman in college, I think I would have gone into economics. My very first class at Florida State was introduction to microeconomics, and I had absolutely no clue what any of that meant. But I quickly found I had a knack for it, and I even really enjoyed it. I went from having the lowest grade on the entry exam to having the highest grade on the final at about a, in a class of about 200. I quickly signed up for macroeconomics the next semester, and I was so annoying, the professor told me I could stop showing up to class except for the exams. <laughs> my ignorance of statistics and my plan to get to law school as quickly as possible kept me from going any further down this path at university, but it did not quell my love of the subject. Economics to me was not the boring study of the production, consumption, and transfer of wealth. Rather, it was a study in human nature. Economic principles were easily applicable to everyday life. Your friend who's got that boyfriend who just won't commit, but they've been dating so long she doesn't want to throw it down the drain? That's the sunk cost fallacy. Why does that fourth brownie not taste as good as the first brownie? The law of diminishing returns. Is it worth the money to purchase that swanky first-class ticket, or are the pains of coach worth it when flying 12 hours to Hawaii? Marginal utility theory. But probably the economic term that pops into my head most often is opportunity cost. Now, I think we all know that resources are finite, which means in all of our lives we face scarcity, especially when it comes to time or money. As such, we have to make choices that lead to the exclusion of other choices. In other words, you will have to forego one possibility in order to pursue another option. This is opportunity cost. For example, I choose to take a nap one afternoon instead of writing my sermon. That sermon writing time is the cost of my nap. Another illustration, I choose to eat four tacos, and therefore am too full to eat the ice cream afterward. That foregone ice cream is the cost of probably that third and fourth taco. And another example, your car suddenly needs a new alternator, and you have to use your vacation savings account to pay for it. That lost vacation is the cost of a new alternator and a running car. We make these decisions on a day-to-day -day basis without having to know anything about economics. We know it costs us things to do or buy other things. But boy, does that not stop us from trying to have it all. We are constantly seeking to have our cake and eat it too. We want everything, and we don't want it to cost us a thing. We want to go to that movie and have a stellar work product on our boss's desk first thing Monday morning. We want to spend a ton of time with our kids, and we want to spend a ton of time at work. We want to eat four tacos and follow it up with ice cream without gaining a pound. We can sound a little bit like Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with all of our wants. And this is why we have such a hard time understanding the idea of sacrifice. In our culture, the word sacrifice is used primarily around military service or when talking about parenthood or even occasionally around someone in the news risking their life to save another. 
But this is not the sacrifice that Paul is talking about in his letter to the Romans when he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word sacrifice comes from a Latin word, which means to make something holy. The most common Hebrew equivalent means something brought near, such as to an altar. Paul is telling us, That because of all of the wonderful things he has been telling us these past 11 chapters about Christ's sacrifice on the cross and resurrection from the grave, about the overwhelming grace of God and eternal life, about God's deep and abiding love for us, because of all of these things, we must respond. We must make ourselves living sacrifices. We must come close to God. We must allow ourselves to be made holy. But this is not easy. Because, as it turns out, there are a lot of things that we want right now. I would really like to go to church more on Sundays. But, I want to go to the beach when it's less crowded and before it gets hot. I would really like to give more money to charities but I really want to buy that couch that I've really been eyeing lately. I would really like to take a meal to my neighbor who just had a baby, but I don't want to spend that extra time cooking, even if I'll end up wasting it on Facebook anyway. We are making the decision to forego the pains of discipleship for the pleasures of this world. Opportunity costs. It's all around us. And even when we decide to sacrifice something for the kingdom of God, how often do we expect something in return? How often are we looking for the better end of the bargain? My husband loves to give to charities where he gets something back. One of his favorite charities donates pinball machines to children's hospitals. And every time he gives money, it enters his name into a raffle to win a pinball machine as well. And I know he is not the only one out there looking for the best deal. We want to give of ourselves, but we don't want it to hurt. When we donate to the church, do we give until we really feel the pain of sacrifice? Or do we look at our income and go, eh, this amount seems like enough for the space I take up at church. When we give of our time, how often do we show up late, make an appearance, maybe do some of the easier things that are asked of us, and then leave early? When we give food to the food pantry, do we go buy the things that are good nutritional food from the grocery store? Or do we decide to clean out our pantry, grab whatever we don't want, open or not, and throw it in a bag without even checking the expiration dates? But Paul is not asking for your leftovers. Paul is not asking for the extra in your life. Paul is not allowing you to fit your dedication to Christ around your schedule. Paul is telling you to sacrifice your life. Full stop. 
Paul is telling you to dedicate everything you are and everything you have to the worship of God. Paul is telling you to bring yourself close to the altar and to allow God to make you holy. As Christians, we are not from this world. We have died to this world through the waters of baptism and have been transformed. We are new creatures made in the image of God who sacrificed his son on the hill called Golgotha. And we have been given the gift of overwhelming grace and eternal life. What wouldn't we give up to walk a little nearer to our Lord? What wouldn't we give up to please our Heavenly Father? What lures of the world can compare to the grace and love of Jesus Christ? Opportunity cost. It's all around us. Every day we sacrifice one option for another. We can sacrifice the worldly for the kingdom of God. Or we can lose the kingdom in order to pursue the pleasures of this world. Every day you are called upon to make this choice. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Draw close to your Lord and be made holy.